Welcome back, everybody. It's Dylan with DS for Dyslexia. I've got a special guest today. We've got Brandon Yadorius. He's got three books. He's a motivational speaker, a public speaker. He's the CEO of Warm Heart Life, and he does way more than that. Welcome, Brandon. Hey, thanks so much. Really appreciate you having me on today. Of course. I appreciate you making the time. So I met you at your speaking engagement in here in Stanford. Yeah, October 2nd, we had uh, Map Your Way to Financial Freedom. What did you think of it? You know, I, I saw the ad on, on Carl's story, because Carl was a guest speaker, and I'm very close to Carl, and I said, can I come? I DM'd him, I said, can I come? I'll pay what it is just to watch you speak. Carl, thinking, I didn't even know what I was going into, because I want to speak. That's a goal of mine, getting on a stage. He's like, yeah, of course. He goes, bring somebody, I've got two free tickets. So I brought my assistant, Logan. And we just did there, we sat there, we wrote notes. A lot of big hitters were in that meeting. Can you list some? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had uh, we had Ashley Zahabian, who her medical company just got acquired. We had Carl, obviously. We had Matt Buchanan. He took his business from 60000 to $3.5 million in, I think, 10 months or, a, or maybe a year. We had Christian Perry, who was a national champion in dancing. And we had Bobby Valentine, who led my favorite team to the World Series, my favorite MLB team to the World Series in 2000. And uh, it, was, it was a crazy run. And we had a lot of great people in the audience too, which kind of captivated the whole atmosphere of what I was trying to create that day. That's awesome. And I really appreciate you, because I remember introducing myself and uh, my biggest thing is leave an unforgettable, hardworking impression. And you had to pay for a VIP ticket to go to this dinner, and I introduced myself. I told you all about myself. I said, I looked up to you, and I appreciated the opportunity. And then you went, are you coming to the dinner? And I said, I don't have a ticket. It was on me. I'll come to the dinner. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is I wanted to introduce people to what personal development was like and to taste it. And you can only taste so much going to an event. If you really want to taste personal development, you have to network with the people after the event. And that's why I created a short event. It was only four hours. That topic, at the end of it, I was like, yeah, this could have been probably two days worth of material. Um, but it didn't matter to me because I wanted people to taste what that felt like. And I knew whoever went to the dinner, which I think we had all 40 seats filled, uh, would get the full value and get the full experience. And it's paying off because uh, we're in two weeks. I don't know when this will come out, but uh, November 5th and 6th, we have, I think, 19 people committed to coming down, and most of them were at my event that committed to coming. Oh, yeah. I, I can for sure say that my network and the meetings that I've been able to be on, the phone calls with you, I have grown a lot just from that one conference. My network's grown, my brand's grown, the advice I've been given, me as a human have grown, and I can't imagine that everybody who didn't go to that and take advantage of what they could have didn't grow. Yeah, I mean, I heard Grant Cardone say this one thing a while back. He said, you know, people who spend time around me, their life tends to get better. So when I heard that, I started trying to build up the habits, uh, the talents, the skill set necessary to be able to do that. So it got to the point I was talking to my buddy Rob, who you know. Yeah. I was talking to him last week, and I said, you know, the people who stick with me um, this next couple of years are going to be very wealthy. They're going to be very happy and they're gonna have an incredible network of people. So you started getting a taste of that and that's only been, it's only been what, a two or three weeks since we know each yeah. other? We've been on weekly calls and it's been great. So is there anybody you look up to? 
Yeah, I look up to a lot of people. You'll see one of my books there, The Care Principle. That was the first personal development book I wrote. I probably listed like 30 mentors in that book. Um, as far as, you know, when you start meeting more and more successful people that you like dream of meeting when you're growing up, you, you start realizing the people you look up to are the people who treat you the way you'd like to be treated. Um, at least that's how I feel. Like I don't necessarily get um, intimidated going up to celebrities as much as I used to. I still do a little bit, but I know they're just a normal person that puts shoes on their feet too. So as far as do I look up to, I look up to a lot of people. I look up to a lot of dead people. <laughs> like uh, I went to Andrew Carnegie's grave um, about a week before my event and it just gave me chills thinking about the things that he did in his life and the impact that he had after his life. Jim Rohn is another guy. He passed away in 2009. I listen to his content all the time. He's been a big motivator for everything that I've done over the specifically the last five years, but most of all the last three years. And then Jerry Weintraub, he passed away in maybe 2015. And his book is the favorite, my favorite book I've ever read. It's, it's called something like, um, I'll stop talking when you know, you, you'll know I'm dead when, or <laughs> let me, let me think about that one more time. It's like, I'll stop talking when I'm dead. You know something like that and it's it's arguably the best book I've ever read because it's just story after story after story about persistence in different areas of life and how you can be successful with your health wealth and relationships if you can persist through the tough moments that you get faced with what is your definition of success my definition what is your definition of success my definition of success it is to make sure that the ones who took care of me are taken care of by myself, who, who need the help, right? So like say I've got I've got a great uncle who had cancer, he's got cancer bills. I'm working towards being able to pay him off myself. Yeah. My mom's green card's a BMW. I promised her she would have one before she's 65. She's 55 now. So being able to give back to the people. Who took care of me. Took right? care of you. So I did everything in my power growing up. Um, you, you know my story about being adopted and everything, and with the mindset it takes to defy all odds, and that's what this show is about, defying all odds. So it's just, you know, you are who you're surrounded by, just like your network is your net worth. And it's like, it takes a village to raise your kid, but it also takes a village to grow a company, right? That's our little network we're building right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it. I guess success to me is doing, like going after the things that you want. You know whether you achieve it the way you you wanted to achieve it or you did everything you could to potentially achieve it I, I think that is success and you know one of the worst things is if you get to the end of your life and you have just that constant feeling of regret so I, I think success is going after the things that you want to pursue in life that's awesome so I this shows all about like education and motivation the title of this book, I love it. It is, skip college, read this. I didn't go to college. Did you go to college? I did. I actually got a master's degree. Yeah? What is your belief on college? Uh, I'm totally fine with it. You, you'll see in the very first part of the book, um, for those of you who read it, I say this is not a bash on colleges. I just think college is is it's based on a system that has been going on for too long and it's almost getting taken advantage of. Um, and it's something people 
supposedly always thought you had to do, but really some of the most successful people in the world didn't even go to college. And I think if you apply the concepts in that book, which the main thing I teach is how to get from point A to point B in the fastest amount of time, you can do it whether you're in college or out of college, depending on what your interest is. Awesome. What is your biggest life lesson you've learned ever? Biggest life lesson I have ever learned is, I, that's a good one. What's, what's yours? My biggest life lesson is uh, don't let grades define who you are. And don't let others, others' thoughts and beliefs on you stop you from doing what you want to do, because it did. Unfortunately, I'm very public about this, and I, I'm really upset about it. I wanted to do this in high school when I overcame dyslexia, and I did. Because I was afraid of what others would say, being made fun of in class, and people saying things, and then me leaving a bad taste in my mouth, and me not doing it the way I should have. So I waited till I was out to start this. Okay, yeah, see, see, by asking that question and hearing your response, something clicked for me. The biggest life lesson I've ever learned by far, I asked my mentor, I was at a seminar, and there was a little Q&A at the end, and everyone's all huddled up, and uh, he goes, I, or I go, you know, why do most people not get what they want in life? Why do most people not get what they want? And he says, Brandon, most people won't get what they want. Most people don't get what they want because they don't go after it fast enough. And I heard that three years ago. And if you look at where I was three years ago to where I am now, you'll see how much I took that one statement, that one lesson, and just said, okay, you know, I'm not going to be that person who doesn't get what he wants because he waits, he procrastinates. So that was a huge life lesson for me. And since then, I've got three books written. Uh, I had a dream personal development conference and uh, I have a bucket list company that probably when I started most people were like what the heck are you doing starting a company that's called warm heart yeah. <laughs> so that was a huge life lesson for me it's awesome can you talk to me about warm heart yeah so warm heart life is a concept I study I started about three years ago and I had a lot of success with different things in life from goals that I had set to a point where I was like, okay, there's a lot you can do in this world, but how can you impact everybody? And I knew warm hearts could impact everybody. So what most people don't know about warm heart life is the first year it was the, the first year of the company, it was basically just saying the core values every day to myself. So I would just say the core values of what Warm Heart Life represented for, oh, I think, a year straight and probably 28 out of 30 days out of a month for about a year. And from that, I started to portray the traits of a warm heart. I started to believe more and more in this company, and it started to develop into something that I can believe can turn into a billion-dollar model by the time I'm around 39, 40. And how old are you now? I'm 28, so I, I think my model is about 38, 39. I, I can be, I have a billion dollar company. That's awesome. What yeah. is your belief on a dream versus a goal? Because I don't believe in dreams. Yeah, I think, uh, I think dreams are great. I think goals are great. But one thing I learned from a mentor of mine is the, the vision is the most important thing. 
So I think the vision can be broken down into di different goals. Like I have a vision of having 10 schools around the United States and overtaking the college education system, but it has to get broken down into different goals. And I think a dream doesn't mean anything unless it's executed on. Like Gary Vee says, ideas are shit, execution is everything. So I think a dream is great, it can get the ball rolling, but if there's no action taken on how you break that down, if you consider that goals, if you consider that just breaking it down into action steps, then it, it really doesn't matter much. Like Jerry Weintraub, he had a dream that he was gonna take Elvis Presley on tour. You know who Elvis is? Yes. So he had a dream that he was gonna take Elvis Presley on tour in 1963. This is way, you know, in the 60s, way back in the day. And what he did is he woke up in after that dream happened and said, Jerry Weintraub presents Elvis Presley at Madison Square Garden. So he woke up, he wrote on his notepad at 26 years old that he was gonna take Elvis Presley on tour. But what he did after that is he took action to be able to achieve that dream. So he, he had this vision, he had this dream, but then he took the action on it. And uh, you know, what most people don't know about is something like that is in order to do that, he had to call Elvis's guy for every day for a year before he got a call back. Hey, do you want to take Elvis on tour? But he had to do his research to find who the right guy was. Yeah. He, he had to call him every day. He had to get told no for 364 days or however long it actually was before he got a call back and said, hey, you want to take Elvis on tour? And then he, he said, yeah, of course I want to take Elvis on tour. And the colonel was Elvis's guy. The colonel said, um, okay, show up tomorrow with a million dollars. And this is in the 60s. So Jerry is like, okay, he didn't have a million dollars. He was in his <laughs> 20s. And uh, he said, okay, I'll show up tomorrow with a million dollars. And then he had to go through this whole process to be able to bring that million dollars to the colonel in, in a day. And uh, so that's what I think about dream versus goal and, you know, in another sense, a vision. That's awesome. So you're 28 now. Mm -hmm. What would you tell your 20-year-old self? What I would tell my 20-year-old self is exactly what I got told at 20 years old which is whatever you have interest in, write down the people who have what you want, who are getting the results that you want, maybe making the money you want, the relationships that you want, and go learn directly from those people. In person, internships, books, however you can podcast, however you can find a way to learn from those people, learn from those people and you'll get to where you want. A heck of a lot faster. What would your 20-year-old self think of your 28-year-old self? I think he'd be pretty proud. Yeah? Yeah, I think he'd be pretty proud. Um, I think we'd be pretty good friends. I think my 20-year-old self would uh, just be asking me questions all day, just you know, kind of like you do. Um, I, I don't mean that in, a, in yeah. any sort of a bad way, just the curiosity of the questions. So that that's a good question. I've never gotten asked that before, but I, I think uh, we'd be best buds. What do you what motivates you? Well, you know, I mean, this is going to sound typical, but like you don't know if tomorrow will ever come. You know, that, that is a big motivation to me. Uh, you've worked so hard to accumulate the knowledge that you've had 
up until now that you've accumulated. Everyone watching, you've worked so hard to accumulate the knowledge that you've built up up until now. Why not put that out into the world so other people can have that if something were to happen to you tomorrow? So that that's what motivates me. You know, and I also had, I, I had a girl tell me this once. She's like, she's like, you Americans, you don't, you don't like to say bye. You don't understand that tomorrow may never come. And stuff like that really clicked at me. Like, you're right. It may never come. So I better treat the people that I'm talking to today pretty damn well. <laughs> so that's a huge motivation of mine. What is your mindset on a new day when you wake up? So every, every day I have five critical tasks that I have to do on top of everything else I'm doing to win the day. So a lot of people lose motivation, they get burnt out. Of course I have days where I'm pretty tired, but I don't think I get burned out like most people, mostly because every day I go into it where I have five things that if I do it, I win the day. That's awesome. So, what, so here's my goal, so with education, for me, being misdiagnosed with dyslexia and stuff, I feel like we need, I want to start speaking at schools, and that's a goal of mine. Like, I look up to you, I look up to Carl, I look up to Matt, because you were up on the stage, you, you built that whole conference, and I was like, wow, like, that's a goal. I obviously don't believe in dreams, because to me, a dream is a goal on a pedestal that you can't reach. Yeah. So I've demolished my pedestal. I don't have it. It's not there. Everything's reachable to me. Yeah. So, you know, it's, leave that impression with everybody you can ask every question and do what you can to get in every room. Like in that last meeting we were on with uh, Matt, he said, uh, Rich the Kid did everything he could to get in any room, sneaking to parties, doing all that. He was a nobody, got into a party with the Migos, now he's Rich the Kid. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I think that's the thing. Like, I think why I can relate to a lot of people like Rich the Kid so much is because I've done that so many times. You know, you. I'm, I'm just not like a, a celebrity like them but you know a big reason why I was able to get voted top 50 in America for what I was pursuing at 26 years old was because I did so much of that I had um, snuck into the room so many times I had paid to get in the room so many times I had been shaking to meet the people that I needed to meet so many times and uh, you almost have like a mutual respect for the people who do it where you don't even have to say anything but you can see it in their eyes you see it in their eyes, dude. It's, it's crazy. So when you came up to me and I got to know you, I could tell right away um, you had done some of that stuff already and you were prepared to do that in the future. Yeah, and I'm gonna do it in Miami. I don't care who you are. Like, I don't, I don't judge anybody. Yeah. Every day, I talk to five new people. And I talk to five new people a day because there's something I can learn, something they can learn, we can all walk away a little more intelligent, yeah. our connection's stronger. And I pay it forward to three, because sometimes somebody could be having a really bad morning and I've now switched that day into a good day because I'm either having a better day and it's gonna be fine. Or they're having a good morning and I solidified that good morning into the good day. Yeah. So it's it's that kind of stuff where something they won't ever forget and I wanna be unforgettable. You know, I wanna leave a footprint big enough where my my kids, grandkids, etc. can step inside of. Yeah. And like it's not it's not the money for me, it's the the way that I can be like, oh, my dad or my grandfather or my uncle is Dylan Smith. Yeah. And I can, they can be like, hey, I need a job. Oh, I know this businessman, this business, what profession are you in? Oh, uh, let me make a call. That kind of opportunity where it's like, no, here's a Mercedes. It's not that. It's, yeah. here's an internship. 
you're under my name, household, because you're under my name. But now you're in here instead of having to do college and an internship and all that. Yeah. So that's my biggest thing is the network and make sure people know who I am. Yeah. You know, where the people are, the opportunities start arising. Yeah, and I've realized, like, I've had a couple of water life moments when I was in your dinner, when I was at Giovanni's office thing. I was like, I'm here and I, and I know people now. We're all going to Miami. So, like, I don't judge because there's no need for it. Like, my view of weird, your view of weird, and, and Carl's view of weird doesn't match the definitions. So, you're, I'm the idiot if I judged you for it. So, I don't care who you are at this conference. I'm wearing a suit every day. You could judge me. Whoever wants to judge me, be, feel free. Because yeah. that's how I carry myself. I'm going to wear a suit, so it's like, who, who the hell is this kid? Yeah. I mean, I've been on the phone with Ken Johnson last week, and he has me on LinkedIn, and he, we text and stuff. He's a big hitter. Yeah. And he told me, wear a suit. I was like, he didn't have to tell me that, but I'm wearing a suit. And it just solidified my question, should I? Yeah. You know, and you absolutely should if, if that's your brand, if, if that's what you're looking to, to do to stick out. Like, with me, I have a totally different brand, and people recognize me for that. Yeah. You know, I'm always in golf attire. You know, people are always talking to me about golf attire. And then, you know, it's like, it, it's, have you ever read The Purple Cow? No. So I'll tell you the whole book in about 30 seconds. So you're driving down the street and you see cows. Yeah. What do you do? Probably on the road? No, they're just, they're just eating grass on the side of the road. Oh, just like a cow. Yeah, what do you do? You're driving, though. What do you do? You see a bunch of cows on the side of the road. What will you do? I wouldn't do anything. You wouldn't do anything. You'd keep driving. Yeah. All right, so now, take two. You're driving down the road, and you see a purple cow. Oh, what the hell is that thing? A purple cow. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do? You stop. You stop. You pull over. You call You call your family. You call your friends. You post on Instagram. <laughs> You, you make a, a, a YouTube video. You're like, look at this cow. Look at this cow. This is the only purple cow in the world. And, and that's, that's marketing right there. In 30 seconds, that is probably the best advice you can ever get in marketing, is how can you stick out so not only people remember you, but people remember you and then they talk about you. Like you've, you heard me give this example the other day my buddy Rob is one of my favorite people to go out with because every time I go out with him, he's telling two or three more people about me. Rob's a good guy. Shout out Rob T. So, so like you need more um, Rob T's in your life um, who can do that for you, who you're doing your thing and those other people, like there's a lot more Robs. There's, you know, I'm sure you tell other people about me, especially yes. with this podcast. Yep. If you can get more of those, that, that's my whole idea behind the plus ones. If you get more plus ones in the world, the rest will start to take care of itself. You'll start to get in better relationships, you'll start to make more money, and you'll start to have the right resources to get in the top health that you could possibly be in. Awesome, so what is your view? So my view on education is we need to build a better system for IEPs, those who don't learn like everyone else. Mm -hmm. Also, I feel like we need to take some classes out and put things in like finance, because kids come out of college with debt, like, oh, what do I do with my money? Yeah. Like, what do you mean, what do you do with your money? We should be figuring this out in school instead of, I mean, math is very important, but we should be, like, art and music, we can cut that if you don't want to. It shouldn't be a required thing, because in my school, it was art or music required. Why not do, like, a finance class, and it's like, this is how you do with your money. You invest it here, this is, you have this much money, this percent, like, I watch a grand 
dome video, and I get a lot out of that. Yeah. I go to these meetings and I write down questions, and it's like I learn a lot. I was out of high school for a year and a half now. I've learned quadruple in this year and a half than I did my entire K to twelve. Well, that's your answer right there. What you just said about the last year and a half, and and that's the whole reason why I've been pursuing taking over the education system. It's because you learn through real world experience. So, you know, my my billion dollar business model is to have ten schools with ten thousand people around the United States in the, in the top cities. And how that's going to happen and how that will work, and of course it could be refined from here, I expect it to be, is you have it in a big city where you can help people learn how to get a job, get the job, and then grow in the job. And then by doing that, you can teach them once they're make, when they're actually making money, they're going to be more open to listening to what to actually do with that money. So throughout that year-long program, instead of going to school for four years, you go for one year, and you literally teach people how to actually do your profit and loss statement. But you do it throughout the year so you can build the habit. You do it around other people so it, it sticks, like this is something we have to do. Like people grow up, a lot of people who grow up with their parents, uh, they have a lot of the habits that their parents had. Yeah. And then sometimes when they move away, some of those parents, some of those habits go away, whether it's for better or for worse. That's why it's so important to be surrounded by the right people. And so a lot of people are trying to do this school system online. A lot of people are trying to do all this stuff to change the education system. But the reason why I believe one year can work is because you can actually grow with someone in their job and they can develop the habits necessary to be able to sustain that. But I think the education system, the only way that it can truly be overtaken is if you can actually get work with companies and work with those students at the same time. Yeah. So that's why I want to do it in the biggest cities in the world. But before we get to 10 cities, we're going to do it, start with one. And, and I'm hoping that's Stanford, Connecticut. Like Carl said, have you the what rapper was he? That quote he had it was a rapper where he said, "I want to sell out or be the best rapper ever." And then somebody asked him, "How do you even lock down your hometown?" Yep. Yeah, and I, and I heard I heard Ty Lopez talk about that a, a long time back. He said, "You need to become a local legend first before you become uh, a national legend." And it, that that really impacted me. That's why I had a person. That's why I was so passionate about having a personal development event in Stanford, Connecticut. I was like, it's got to be here. Yeah, it's got to be here. You know, because that helped me meet people like Patrick, Franco, um, Josh, Dylan, Carl. You know, that's that's what happened. Now we have a bigger community. We have more plus ones around us. Yeah. Now the next event, whether it's hosted by me, whether it's hosted by you, whether it's hosted by Carl, whether it's hosted by all of us, we'll all we have more people who can help spread the word about this. Yeah. What's the biggest thing you've learned meeting me? The biggest thing I've learned meeting you. And seeing my page and what I'm about. What you asked me a question earlier about the biggest life lessons that you've ever had. 
what's the what's the thing that you've learned from someone that you've applied the most to your to your life? Um, hard work is talent when talent doesn't work hard. Yeah. It's it's not what class you were in in college. It's not that you're a talented or gifted musician or actor, etc. That doesn't matter. It yeah. matters on the blood, sweat, and tears that goes into it. And anybody, well, I was told by a CEO to my face, I said, how old are you, 28, 26? I said, I'm t- I was 19 at the time. Yeah. And there's New York City $2 million office for a capital group. And he's like, really? I'm like, yeah, I didn't go to college straight out of high school four months ago. Yeah. And he was like, really? I was like, yeah, I didn't go to college, a little insecure about it or whatever. And he's like, don't be. I would hire you because you were here half an hour early. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, of course. If you're on time, you're late. If you're early, you're on time. Yeah. And I'm like, and you leave the hardworking, unforgettable impression. And I said, I just don't want to be, I don't want to be noticeable when I go to college. I want to be a shop. He goes, I could, I would hire you over a college student because all they did was sit in a class, take a test on what was in that class. Now they have a paper saying they did so. Yeah. You can't exactly. teach that because, but you're here at 19, clean cut, clean shaven, dressed appropriately, 30 minutes early, doing what was needed before I even walked into the office. He goes, you can't teach that. And you don't have that paper that says you sat in the class. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's anything I've learned from you, but the thing I've appreciated the most about you is that you, you've legit motivated me. Really? Yeah. I mean, so, um, you know, people like you really motivate me. I mean, I'm, I'm always trying to learn from people, but I'm also trying to get inspired by people. And I think that's the main thing that I feel when I'm around you. So, and I, I think when you can inspire, that's equivalent or even better than learning from people. Yeah, because every time I'm around you, I'm motivated, I'm inspired, I'm excited. Like I was, I was legit excited for this. I've, I've done enough of these in the past where, you know, I know we're just filming for a half hour today but I know we could probably talk for three hours straight, yes. you know? Um, so, I, you know, just from being around you, I get excited, you know what I mean? You asked a question about, you know, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? Yeah, and yeah, I feel like you're a totally different person, but I feel like I'm talking to someone who's excited to learn the things